Hello, Tom Myers here. If you're like me and you've got a lot to say, a lot of stories to share, a lot of opinions to give, then listen up. I'm going to talk about something that's going to take your passion for podcasts to the next level. I'm talking about the 7 Million Bikes podcast course. This is the podcasting course you need. Imagine having the skills, the knowledge, and the confidence to create, produce, and grow a successful podcast. And you're not doing it alone. I'm talking about Neil Mackay, the podcast guy, founder of 7 Million Bikes Podcasts. He knows what it takes to turn your passion into a podcast that stands out. He's going to guide you through everything from podcast ideas that resonate to nailing that audio production and even editing your episodes like a pro. With 23 tutorials and over three hours of video content, this course is packed with practical tips, real-world examples, and everything you need to know to get started. Just $97 for a wealth of knowledge that'll set you up for podcasting success it's a no-brainer think about it less than a hundred bucks to unleash your creativity share your story and potentially even turn your passion into a profitable business people like ian payton who's taken the course launched their own podcast and already in the top 10 percent of podcasts worldwide and you could be next the seven million bikes podcast course is your ticket to podcasting greatness. Go to the link in my show notes right now and let's make your podcasting dream a reality. Hi, I'm A.A. Ron, the owner and producer of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. Bombing Run, the original comedy combat game show. It's an hour's worth of comedians clashing with their jokes. And soon to be released, Orbs Wacky World, a talk show with a twist. It will be a mix of comedy, unusual questions and music with orb as the host oddly funny productions we might be odd but we bring the funny to you that's a-w-d-l-y funny productions hey everyone it's me again if you're tired of listening to this show with all these ads in the way go ahead and subscribe to my patreon in addition to listening to this show without the ads you also get extended versions of these episodes and bonus clips as well doesn't cost that much you can get plans for as low as one dollar a month you can show the love and your support just go to patreon.com slash tom myers spelled m-y-e-r-s and subscribe and listen and enjoy today again that's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Tom Myers versus the rest of the world. NASA landed the Perseverance rover on Mars, during which the engineers described it as seven minutes of terror, which is how I describe arriving in a town in which I'm performing that evening. <laughs> Perseverance, Endeavor, Atlantis. I like how these shuttles sound like they're named after gentlemen's clubs where these scientists tried and failed to bone a stripper. It's looking more likely that Neera Tandon will not receive enough votes in the Senate to be confirmed to run the Office of Management and Budget, all because of some tweets. If that's how we're going to measure who gets cabinet positions, then I'm shit out of luck. (laughs) Mr. Myers, can you tell me why you tweeted that Maryland's Governor Larry Hogan is a fat fuck? (laughs) Um, What was the date of that tweet? I need you to narrow it down for me. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo allowed arcades in the state to open, despite still not allowing comedy clubs in the state to do the same. 
Look for some enterprising comics in the state to start comedy shows in arcades where they ask the owner to turn off the skee-ball machine before the show starts. People ask my thoughts on Cuomo hiding the statistics about nursing home residents dying. I'm not so much surprised that an elected official withheld information. I'm shocked that an Italian from New York covered up the existence of dead bodies. <laughs> Who would have thought that Miranda from Sex in the City would have been a better choice for governor? Tucker Carlson says QAnon doesn't exist because it doesn't have a website. Much like Tucker Carlson shouldn't call himself a journalist because he's never delivered any actual news. <laughs> if the Tiger Woods car accident has taught us anything, it's this. If you're going to wreck the company car, make sure you're kick-ass at your job. <laughs> I can't wait to hear the shit I'm going to catch on that one. <laughs> and on that note, on with the show. Please join me in welcoming our panelists, Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Linda Landeros. Hey, Tom. What has everyone been up to this week? Well, I, I want to know if everybody else feel, felt the same way. With all due respect to Eldrick Tiger Woods, perhaps the greatest golfer of all time and worldwide personality, did his injury uh, justify dropping everything else out of uh, the news cycle? Not that that was so terrible, uh, but did it, is he at that level? I don't know. My news cycle was dominated by Lady Gaga's dog walker getting shot. So I don't know what news you're looking at. Not that. No, what happened? Talk about that. What happened? Go ahead, Linda. Sounds like you know. Someone. Oh my God. So uh, I don't. Uh, this is all I know. But um, so Lady Gaga's in Italy, and uh, she lives obviously in LA. Uh, yeah, this is LA. Her dog walker went to pick up her three French bulldogs to take him for a walk. Someone shot her dog walker in the chest and stole two of the three Frenchies. Uh, sounds like the dog walker is okay and was able to save one of them. And yeah, so Lady Gaga is offering like, I forgot, like what, 50,000? I don't know how much money she's offering for any information. Um, she offered $500,000 for the return of the dogs. That yeah. You know what, Linda? You could take some of your, your Frenchies. Would they know the difference? Would oh, she yeah. Oh, she would. They, they come in, they're, you know, they're, they're all pretty freaking useless, but they're all very unique, I've noticed. Like, okay. I, um, I've walked so many French Bulldogs, and I've seen so many variations of them, um, but still fucking useless. <laughs> Not worth getting shot over. Just like, here, take the fucking dogs. I don't care. <laughs> but i have heard so many cases i'm a dog walker and i've heard so many cases of french bulldogs getting stolen like there is something about this breed i don't um i mean they're pricey but my god yeah. like it's so scary but also like of all the breeds to be stolen like frenchies they're cute but they're the most useless dogs like they're the most useless <laughs> breeds and they get so sick easily don't i'm not doesn't i love them but if you're gonna steal dogs like steal a useful breed steal border collies they're smart <laughs> hear that everybody linda says if you're gonna shoot a dog <laughs> shoot him for a border collie but would a border collie let itself be stolen <laughs> you know what you know, take a border collie home and see what happens do it <laughs> Yeah, that story is crazy, though. What would you do if if somebody attacked you and tried to steal your uh, the 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 uh, dogs that you were uh, protecting? You were you were walking. 
I guard everyone's dog as my own. Like when that dog is in my care, they are my dog. So I would protect them at all costs as if they were my dog. Um, you know, if I were held at gunpoint, like, I mean, I don't know what I would do in a situation like that. Um, but, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm sure she has like the best dog walker, you know, possible, but you know, there are risks with the job and, uh, there are some bad dog walkers out there that are, um, lazy and not observant of their surroundings. So I would just say, you know, anyone who, if you have dog walkers that listen to this podcast, cause I'm sure you have a bunch. Um, <laughs> oh yeah. That's our key demographic. Yeah, that, that's it. Yeah. They have Tom, nothing else to do with their time. Tom, Tom, I mean, Tom posts the link on their, uh, on their Facebook page. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, um, I mean, there's like things you can do to just like make sure, like, first of all, there's a lot of people who walk their dogs off leash. Don't ever do that. Dog walk, professional dog walkers know better, but like there's ways you can hold the leash just to make sure. Like I always like, I put the loop through like my hand and loop it around my wrist. And I'm like, you know, like a hawk, just keeping an eye on my, you know, surroundings and um, yeah, but on it, but like, but then, yeah, if, if it was a French bulldog, um, I would try to like talk some sense into them because like I said, they are useless. They can barely breathe. They, they all have like weird ticks. like French bulldogs. I used to walk a French bulldog that would masturbate. He would sit like a human and with his little paw, he figured out how to stimulate himself and he would just do that for hours. And I would like babysit this dog and he, that's what he would do all day. Like, is describe this- every single comic in a green room, Linda. <laughs> oh, I know. Useless. I know. Useless. Lie down, masturbate. <laughs> but like with so little effort, like because. Yeah, that's but- them. Exactly. <laughs> I like want to imagine that like the kidnappers got like three miles down the road, and like one of the dogs, you know, like humped and came all over his back seat, and they just dropped him off. Like the dogs are three miles down the road. That's why you need leather seats. Like cloth, it just absorbs all the stains. Have they issued a ransom request? Not the dogs. The uh, I haven't read anything of yeah. the. Uh, I don't think they know anything yet. But I haven't checked. Well, I think the moral of this particular story is: if you're going to shoot a dog walker, shoot the ones who walk the dogs off leash. I can get behind that. They need to be taught a lesson. Yeah. Well, I've been. Uh, I've been focusing and keeping tabs on what's been going on uh, down in Texas, just because it seems like most of the people of the state of Texas have their power back. It's just they're having trouble getting their water turned back on. So this is going to be a crisis that's going to be ongoing. And there's going to be, looks like, investigations into what exactly happened or how this particular uh, outage happened. Did you hear Governor Abbott yesterday, Tom? He he said... He, he stood up and he took a firm stance on this and said, we're going to get to the bottom of this and figure out who's responsible, except he's the governor. And, and he's in a wheelchair. So way to go, Jeff. Oh, I can't, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> talking about that. I didn't put him there and neither did the person who shot the dog walkers. <laughs> got hit by a falling branch years ago. That's not what we're talking about. <m- <laughs> well, really, 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 really,
Well, politicians knows no bounds. He needs to, like it was an oak tree. It was ninety six. He needs to accept some responsibility here, instead of pointing fingers at uh, AOC, who helped raise five million dollars for his state. She did more than he did. And that's on socialism. Like socialism is literally helping Texas. That's right. During the crisis in Texas, cities and towns across the state were asking residents to boil water so they may safely drink it, despite having no electricity in which to boil the water and no water at all. This marks the first time Texas has ever done anything postmodern. Many Texas families spent the extended power outage burning household items to stay warm, as in some instances, they've run out of firewood. I can understand wanting to save the Ted Cruz effigies until you get really desperate. If there was ever a time for dads everywhere to come clean about those Playboy magazines they've been saving since the 1970s, this would be the time to use them and sacrifice them to prevent grandma from getting hypothermia. I've prepared stuff to burn in the event my home loses power for days at a time. That's why I've printed every comedy show flyer I've ever been spammed, every podcast invitation I've ever received, and every hate email I've been sent. That should keep until I'm in my mid-80s. <laughs> Things were getting so desperate in Texas that protesters were about to set fire to a few police cars just to keep warm. During the Joint Senate Committee hearing looking into the Capitol insurrection, Ted Cruz asked what we could do to make sure such an event never happened again. Unfortunately, none of the witnesses had the idea to say, well, you could resign. There are some images that I want to go ahead and share. Ted Cruz, following the fallout from his Cancun trip, tweeted this. This was on his Senator Ted Cruz Twitter feed. He did the hashtag Texas strong, showed uh, images of him uh, loading water into people's cars, at which point someone shared that tweet and promptly responded, I can't stop looking at the empty parking lot, which makes sense in a way, because if you're in desperate need of resources and you're only option is to go to the parking lot where Ted Cruz is handing out water. It's like, risk running into Ted Cruz? I think I'll settle for dehydration. Is he wearing a sport jacket? No, it's, it might be one of those uh, loose-fitting shirts it looks like. Henley. I'm calling it a Henley. Probably one of those designer Hemlings, the one his uh, Goldman Sachs wife bought for him. Yeah, so he, uh, so he, he, he comes back from Cancun and, and this is his big move. To hand out water bottles. Long after everybody else has already received theirs, hence the empty parking lot. Well, at least he didn't throw paper towels at them. I don't think he has the capability of throwing <laughs> uh, those large containers of water. Or paper towels. During interviews with various Texas politicians, I always hear them say, Texas is blessed to have, and then this, Texas is always blessed to have that. I always presume that anyone who says Texas is blessed is automatically lying just by listening to the dog shit that comes out of these guys' mouths and the fact that they have Ted Cruz. But not all Texans are like the Senate's favorite punching bag. I mean that in the figurative sense. In the literal sense, that title goes to Rand Paul. In these two clips, we hear Ted Cruz justifying his taking his family to Cancun during a statewide disaster and another Texas family, by contrast, helping other families. Whether the decision uh, to go was tone deaf, look, it, it was obviously a mistake. And in hindsight, I, I wouldn't have done it. Um, I was trying to be a dad. And, and all of us have made decisions. 
when you've got two girls who've been cold for two, two days and haven't had heat or power and they're saying, hey, look, we don't have school. Why don't we go? Let's get out of here. I am Texan. And when we have a senator that represents the state of Texas, I just got to step up and say something. So, hey, girls, where are we going? To only take food to the people that slept outside. Senator Cruz, that's how we do it in, in Texas. I don't know how you do it wherever you're from, but in Texas, being a good father is taking care of the less fortunate. I'm sure when Ted Cruz said, yeah, sure, we'll go to Cancun, his daughters replied with, oh, we meant we go and you stay here and freeze your ass off. Yeah, so he's sitting there bl blaming. He's in hindsight, so he says it's hindsight, like everybody makes mistakes. He's a veteran senator, and all he had to do was send his wife, uh, if she wanted to go, with the, with the girls. But he didn't have to, uh, to go. He didn't have to pack for a week. And he's, he's blaming it all on them. Well, they wanted to go because they were cold for two days. What about his constituents who are freezing their asses off for a week? Jackass. Well, that well, that trip to Cancun was reconnaissance for all my constituents in the great state of Texas. <laughs> you know, I've been following the uh, I've been following the COVID vaccine rollout, and um, one of the things I think that's like so fascinating about it logistically, you know, is how it has to be kept so cold. It has to be kept at like whatever negative seventy eight or something like that, which is like a really hard number to mentally even conceive of. So like when I'm trying to think of what negative 78 is, I just think about Ted Cruz's approval rating and go like slightly up. <laughs> <laughs> well, that first video, I don't know if you heard it. In fact, I could probably pull it back up for you again. Uh, to go was tone deaf. Look, it, it was obviously a mistake. And in hindsight, I, I wouldn't have done it. Um, They're chanting resign. And, and all of us have made decisions. I imagine like Ted Cruz has heard that so often. He thinks it's, you know, hello. Like maybe that's how he <laughs> greets someone. Resign. My name's Ted Cruz. I'm a senator from Texas. I know this is not what you were pointing out, you know, um, semantically with what he just said, but I picked up on the second go around that he said, I would have not gone. He can't even say I should not have gone. And that's an interesting sort of sidestep of culpability. Abby, Ted Cruz is like a lot of lawyers that I've met over time. As Tom's audience knows, I'm an attorney. And he's like a lot of lawyers I've met because they think they're smart. And they are not. And those are the worst kinds of attorneys because there's nothing that they will not say or do because they think they're so smart. But the damage is that they're not. So they will wreck their client's case. They will wreck the side that they're advocating for. And here he cannot even understand what he did wrong uh, because he thinks he's so smart. He thinks there was a smart reason because he was supporting his, his family, but he's not smart enough in actuality that there were other ways to get it done. Well, him arguing his own case, I'm sure you're familiar with this expression. Oh, Jack. yes. He is, has a fool for a client. As he's representing himself. That's underselling it. it. Yeah, that's right. Wait for oh. his daughters to like join TikTok, like when they're old enough to and like yeah. 
so we can see how they turned out because if they're anything like the Conways or something like this is this is T and I'm going to want to hear what they have to say about this when they're old enough to understand. Well, hopefully they won't go on American Idol like uh, Claudia. You know, I know, I actually didn't watch that clip. I, um, but I hear it wasn't so good. Yeah, that's what I've heard. Okay. Well, either way, I, I mean, I don't. It had to have been better than the way her mother did her job at the White House. <laughs> that's a low bar, Tom. Exactly. I mean, we should, we should take what we can get. Well, she's a very smart girl. I, uh, I've been following her on TikTok for a while. Um, hope I wish nothing but best things for her. Is she back on TikTok? Because I, I heard she was taking a social media break for a while. She takes, I mean, she's off and on. Um, she's taken several social media breaks the times I've, or this whole time I've been following her. Um, yeah, because I, I mean, it seems like, I mean, she talks about how the media and all the, the, what the media says about her, you know, it gets to her. And I'm like, yeah, she's a teenager, of course. So um, I can see why she needs to turn that off for a little bit. And also her stuff was getting hijacked by Fox News. And so Fox News was like going kind of hard on her for a minute. But um, she's probably the first teenage social media star that people actually felt sorry for. That's interesting. What do you think, I wouldn't Abby? call her a social media star. And I wouldn't say that um i think just based on the people that i follow on social media and you know the way we use those words star and influencers like if you have a presence on social media and you have people who follow you you aren't an influencer like you even if it's just a small audience and i think we only tend to use those words like especially talking about women like when we talk about influencers we're talking about women mostly that's why people kind of talk shit about like Instagram influencers, but like the same thing exists. Like there's men who do the same thing. It's um, interesting. I think people, I mean, I think she's just a teenager who wants to use social media the way all these other teenagers do. And because, you know, she's not going to hide who she is. She's going to, people are going to see her name and like follow her. And then that's just, you know, I mean, the algorithms are also going to give her, uh, once a lot of people start following her, you know, she's going to get you know, platform on these um, social media website or social media platforms. So um, I don't know. I think there's just- will be doing a reality show with Ted Cruz's daughters I think is what you're getting at. <laughs> no, I just want to hear what they have to say for themselves when they can speak for themselves as women or as young women. Refugees from like the Jesus camps in which they've grown up. I mean, good Lord. I'm sure they're going to have so many stories. Right. Like, I would just, I just want to hear what, like how Ted and Heidi's crew, like how they interact with each other at home. All under the guise of a of Chris Cuomo interviewing them under the hashtag let's get after it. <laughs> Heidi Cruz was reportedly furious that her texts about going to Cancun were leaked. She said she hadn't been this embarrassed since the day she married Ted. <laughs> Here we see the effects of Ted Cruz's damage damage control efforts via a cell phone video and in a political ad. That is right outside Ted Cruz's house. Everybody seems happy. Tired from an insurrection you incited against your government? Is your state suffering from predictable consequences of a natural disaster caused by your failed leadership? Then it's time for you to throw your constituents and constitution away and escape to Cancun. 
constituents underwater? You can be too on one of our <laughs> snorkeling tours. Feeling homesick? Visit the Mayan ruins. No electricity, undrinkable water. It's like you never left Houston. So hurry up, flee in glee, and bask in the glow of red hot sedition in Cancun. Somebody hired a mariachi band. No one's taking credit for it. Just to give uh, Ted Cruz that uh, Cancun feeling. Honestly, I think no one had to hire them. They showed up. Oh, they just showed up spontaneously. We are the ultimate <laughs> trolls. We, we know what's up. <laughs> Plus, what a great excuse for a party. <laughs> really, the only advantage to being Ted Cruz's neighbor is that, you know, you didn't need an alarm clock to wake you up in the morning that week. <laughs> Wait, I was like, where was that from? What was that? Because I saw the handles like Midas touch. I was like, was that a sketch group or something? Midas Touch, um, they are a political action committee. Like They don't necessarily support candidates. Like They just go after ones they don't like in the hope that if they get defeated in office, maybe their successor will do something equally as stupid and they can (laughs) go after them as well. They're basically nihilists. Held comics, in other words. And then this is the only outlet they have creatively because of COVID. As we all do. (laughs) The start of this week saw the confirmation hearings of Joe Biden's pick for Attorney General Merrick Garland, who is widely expected to be confirmed despite failed attempts at gotcha questions like these from Louisiana Senator John Kennedy. But I want to ask you about this concept of implicit bias. Does that mean I'm a racist no matter what I do or what I think. I'm a racist, but I don't know I'm a racist. Okay, the, the label racist is not one that I would apply uh, like that. Implicit bias just means that every human being has biases. That's part of what it means to be a human being. And the point of uh, examining our implicit biases is to bring our conscious mind up to our unconscious mind and to, 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 to know when we're behaving in a stereotyped way. How about if you say that America has racists in it, just like everybody else? Does that necessarily, just like everywhere else, does that make America systemically racist? I, to- I think, uh, I, I, I don't want to waste your time because I think this is what I said before. Um, what I mean by systemic uh, racism is the patterns of uh, uh, discrimination and disparate treatment uh, across the country. It doesn't mean that any particular individual is a racist. Judge, I'm in big trouble. I've gone way over. To me, the Louisiana John Kennedy uh, looks and sounds like President John Kennedy if he'd survived the assassination. (laughs) Oh, I wasn't sure if the last part, he was just like... (laughs) Okay. Like just, it reminded me of, um, he reminds me of, uh, oh my God, I'm Kevin from The Office. It almost looked <laughs> like he was having a stroke. <laughs> <laughs> okay, can we talk about how patient those answers were? I, as somebody who has, you know, I'm a teacher, I try to explain things and bless that man for how just, I, I mean, he, how do you how do you explain i mean he was so patient just you know he says i i think i already said that he's you know really it just i thought he did an excellent job of dealing with a completely ridiculous line of questioning 
And the way he said, I don't want to waste your time as a, which is, and he's perhaps was thinking, I don't want to waste anybody else's time any longer, but he phrased it so politely. That's a good point. Such a measured response. That's right. Merrick Garland is that one teacher who really insists there's no such thing as a stupid question, even though there clearly is. Right. I just want to go, I just want to go back to Tom's comment because this is about the 15th podcast we've done with him. And I felt like a body blow after Tom said, this John Kennedy looks like President John Kennedy if he survived the assassination attempt. That may have, you may have outdone yourself, Tom. (laughs) Well, this is only the 15th episode, so I'm just getting warmed up. (laughs) I'm just finding my podcast legs. So are you saying we should look at the back of Senator John Kennedy's head to see what color it is? Or to see if there's anything leaking out that you can go ahead and put back in to make it to make him think properly. It's like a weekend at Bernie situation here. This weekend sees the CPAC conference, which marks the only reason white conservatives would ever visit National Harbor, Maryland, for reasons other than wanting to go to the casino there. Last year, CPAC was seen as one of the earliest instances of a coronavirus super spreader event, upon which this year's attendees may look fondly, as Donald Trump's scheduled appearance has created a rift in the Republican Party, as we can see in these reactions from House Republican leaders Kevin McCarthy and Liz Cheney. Just very briefly, for you and the leadership, especially Congresswoman Cheney, do you believe President Trump should be speaking, or former President Trump should be speaking at CPAC this weekend? Yes, he should. Congresswoman Cheney? Uh, that's up to CPAC. I've, I've been clear in my views about uh, President Trump and, and the extent to which following the extent to which following January 6th, uh, I don't I don't believe that he should be playing a role in the future of the party or the country. On that high note. <laughs> note. I might watch this year's CPAC conference just because like, you know how you go onto YouTube to find videos of like sports fights like benches clearing brawls in baseball. I'm just waiting for an event like that to happen. You lost me at the sports reference. I'm so sorry. (laughs) Okay, imagine if someone walking a French bulldog ran into someone who thinks French bulldogs are shit, and then they just started punching each other out. I understand it, actually. I support it. I would watch. I'm happy to bring everybody together. Can we just, uh, on some good news, since we've had so little of it since we, you know, started recording um, this podcast, uh, House passing the Equality Act today, I know that doesn't, still got another, you know, set of votes, but that's good, at least on some level. Uh, Excellent news. That's one step. We love to see it. And on that note, that's our show. I want to thank Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Linda Landeros. But before we go, my final thought. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis ordered all flags in the state to be lowered at half-staff for Rush. Not to mourn his loss, but to mark the decrease of hate crimes and the loss of revenue from country club dues and drug sales. (laughs) Joe Biden is already improving this country. I mean, look at what's happened already. He's killed Rush Limbaugh. In many ways, I'm thankful for Rush and his ilk dying off, as that's the only way to truly make America great again. It is bittersweet in a way, because all this time, I was hoping to trade this rush for Neil Peart. (laughs) 
The fact that Rush Limbaugh has been in the public eye for so many years has made me think, I've been putting these episodes together for a few months on a weekly and even bi-weekly basis, and I've started thinking, how do most talk show or podcast hosts do this every single day? Then I realize that there's no research involved, and the hosts just talk bullshit. Rush has always said, when he gets up in the morning, how low can I go today? Apparently now the answer is six feet underground. <laughs> Good night. This episode was written and hosted by Tom Myers with panelists Jeff Heisen, Abby Mello, and Linda Landeros. Theme music by Euron Vandenhurk. Executive producer, Tom Myers. Executive producer for IPM Nation, Matt Connerton. For more information, visit tommyers.us. Hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you want to listen to more of this episode, go ahead and subscribe to my Patreon. There you can get extended versions of episodes like this one, as well as bonus clips. You can even listen to regular episodes without all these pesky little ads through which you have to fast forward. Doesn't really cost that much. Plans as low as $1 a month. Go to patreon.com slash Tom Myers, spelled M-Y-E-R-S. Show the love, subscribe, show your support today. That's patreon.com slash Tom Myers. Hi everyone. I'm Orb. I am not the official spokesperson for Ugly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y Funny Productions. A-A-Ron is tied up right now. <laughs> Shut up, I'll untie you in a minute. Here at Oddly, we're producing some great shows. Bombing Run, where comedians compete to see who's Joker Ace. And Orb's Wacky World, a talk show with a mix of comedy, uncomfortable questions, and music hosted by yours truly. When you think of comedy, think of Oddly Funny Productions. That's A-W-D-L-Y, funny productions. Now, how do I get out of here? Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now.